I steal a hundred dollars from you. I ask for your forgiveness, and you graciously give it to me. Is that where the story should end? I write a letter to the Westerly Sun in which I accuse you of doing something that I know you haven't done. I call you on the phone the next day and apologize. You forgive me because you're such a nice person. Is that where the story should end? I'm envious because you've got a nicer car than I have. And I don't like it when people have nicer cars than I do. So late one night, I sneak over to your house, I take my house key, and I put scratches all over your nice vehicle. A week later, I call you up and I apologize. And once again, you extend me mercy and forgiveness. Thank you very much. But is that where the story should end? The answer, my brothers and sisters, in all three cases is no. Those three little anecdotes illustrate the difference between forgiveness and what the church calls satisfaction. Seeking forgiveness is always necessary when we've wronged another human being and sinned against them in some way. But receiving forgiveness doesn't do away with the need to make appropriate amends for what we've done. It doesn't do away, in other words, with the need to make satisfaction. If I steal $100 from you, I definitely need to seek your forgiveness. But then I need to pay you back. I need to give you back your money. If I write a letter to the Westerly Sun in which I falsely accuse you of something, I need to ask you to forgive me, of course. But then I need to write a letter of retraction and apology to our local newspaper and get it published and make sure it gets published to clarify things. And if I intentionally scratch your nice new car with my key, I need your forgiveness, yes. And then I need to reach in my back pocket, pull out my wallet, and pay for a new paint job on your nice vehicle. Forgiveness, satisfaction. Incidentally, this is akin to step number eight in the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous. It's akin to step eight in any 12-step program. Step eight reads, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. That is satisfaction. It's also the purpose of a penance given in the sacrament of confession, even when the penance consists of prayers. Many of you have come to me for confession. Normally, when I give a prayer penance, as you know, in the confessional, I specifically tell you to pray those prayers for those 
whom you have hurt by your sins. Praying for those we've offended is one way to make satisfaction for what we've done to them. Here's how the Catechism explains it. This is well put, paragraph 1459. Many sins wrong our neighbor. One must do what is possible in order to repair the harm. Simple justice requires as much. But sin also injures and weakens the sinner himself, as well as his relationships with God and neighbor. Absolution takes away sin, but it does not remedy all the disorders sin has caused. Raised up from sin, the sinner must still recover his full spiritual health by doing something more to make amends for the sin. He must make satisfaction for or expiate his sins. This satisfaction is also called penance. I mentioned this subject this morning because a lot of people aren't clear about it, number one. And also because in today's Gospel text, Peter, in effect, makes satisfaction for the terrible sins he committed on Holy Thursday night. As we all remember, three times that evening in the courtyard of the high priest, he had denied Jesus. He denied even knowing our Lord. Now, had Jesus forgiven him? Yes. He had forgiven Peter just like he had forgiven the rest of the apostles for running away during his passion. But Peter still needed to make satisfaction for what he had done. And that's why Jesus had him profess his love three times, not just once. Three times Peter had denied Jesus with his words, so in order to make satisfaction, Peter had to profess his love for Jesus three times with his words. Perhaps Jesus also required this of Peter because of what he expected from this man in the future. Peter, as we all know, was to become the very first pope, the first visible head of Jesus' church on earth. Obviously, therefore, Peter needed to have his relationship with Jesus Christ in good order. He didn't need to be carrying around any extra baggage inside from his Holy Thursday sins. He needed to be right with God. And he also needed to be right with his fellow apostles. But his Holy Thursday sins had weakened him. And they had diminished his prestige in the midst of the apostolic group. They had affected his ability to be a strong leader in the early church. As the Catechism reminds us in that text I quoted just a few minutes ago, sin also injures and weakens the sinner himself, as well as his relationships with God and neighbor. Peter's threefold profession of love renewed him. It first of all renewed his bond of love with Jesus. But it also reinforced his position of leadership among the apostles and within the universal church. 
The first time Peter said, yes, I love you, Jesus, what did Jesus say? He said, feed my lambs. The second time he professed his love, what did Jesus say? He said, tend my sheep. And the third time Peter professed his love, Jesus said, feed my sheep. Basically, they all meant the same thing. Now, the Bible tells us that Peter wasn't alone there. As we heard in that text, Thomas, Nathaniel, James, John, and a couple of other disciples were present. They heard those words. And so at that moment, they understood that what Jesus had said to Peter a while back at Caesarea Philippi, you, Peter, are rock, and on this rock I will build my church. They understood that those words were still valid in spite of Peter's denials. And put yourself in their position. They probably were wondering about that. Peter, you blew it. You were supposed to be our leader. Look what you did. When we all ran away, you even denied him. And I'm sure they passed on this message to the apostles and the disciples who were not present at that time. Yes, Peter is still our leader. Even though he messed up on the night before Jesus died. One final point needs to be made here. It wasn't easy. It was not a pleasant experience. Yes, Peter made satisfaction for his three sins of Holy Thursday night, but it was not a pleasant experience for him. As we heard a few moments ago, he was disturbed, he was upset. He was deeply hurt. When Jesus said, for the third time, Simon, do you love me? But you know what? When it was all over, and Peter thought back, and he realized why Jesus had questioned him in this way, I'm sure he was happy and thankful that he had swallowed his pride and had answered yes all three times. Making amends, making satisfaction, isn't normally a pleasant experience for any of us. But it is rewarding because it improves our relationship with the Lord and our relationships with our brothers and sisters. So I leave you this morning with this question to ponder. Do I need to make amends to anybody in my life? Please think about that. Please pray about that, especially when you go back to your pew after communion and you have the Lord Jesus with you in your very bodies. Take that with you also, that question, when you leave Mass today. Ponder it during this coming week. Do I need to make amends to anyone that I have hurt by my sins? And if the answer is yes, then ask the Lord to give you the grace to follow through on it and to make those amends through prayers and through good deeds. ASAP! Because please hear this, if we don't do it here, 
If we don't make adequate satisfaction for our forgiven sins while we're still on this earth, we will be required to make satisfaction for them somewhere else. In that place that we call purgatory. So we can do it now, or we can do it later. But do it, we all will, just like Peter. <laughs>